season's going to end on a double doink. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broadway. And your hosts, Brendan Deeg and Eric Warner. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. Hello, football faithful, and welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deeg. I will be hosting today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. We got a great show ahead of you, or ahead of us. Sorry, my co-host Eric Warner is with us, Mister Eric. I have a, uh, I have a funny nugget for you. You're gonna like this one, considering you're a baseball fan. In high school, Devonte Adams was the number two receiver behind Jock Peterson during their only season as teammates. Peterson's senior year and Adams' junior year, Jock was the go-to guy. Peterson had 30 receptions for 650 yards and nine touchdowns, while Devontae Adams only had 25 receptions for 484 yards and seven touchdowns. What do you think about that? Wow. I never <laughs> knew that, and I never would have guessed that. Wow. Um, that's, that's hilarious. I wonder if Peterson would have had a career in pro football. <laughs> yeah. He's done pretty well for himself in baseball, so good yeah, for him. It's crazy to think that like Chuck Pearson was out dueling or just like better than Devontae Adams at, at the high school football level. It's, it's yeah, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> but I mean, Adams still ended up at LSU. Was was or Adams wasn't that high of a draft pick, right? He was a second round pick. I don't. Oh, know. Okay. Let me pull back. I think he was a second round pick. Um, yeah, second round pick. He went to California State University. Then he transferred over to Fresno. So, oh, I think yeah, he's he, an LSU guy. Yeah, he was he was bounced around a bit. Yeah, he was a late bloomer. So that's why I, he was like he's like an example of like on offensive weapons like receiver and running back. It, it takes a year or two sometimes, right? Um, and people, oh, kind exactly. of, people kind of forget about that. Like if you look at Devontae Adams' first year as a Packer, he had eleven starts. He played in all sixteen games, only eleven starts. He only had four hundred forty-six yards and three touchdowns. And then the second year, he only had four hundred eighty-three yards and one touchdown. So he didn't have a thousand-yard receiving year until his fifth year in the NFL. Yeah, and now he's putting up 18 touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's always late bloomers in the NFL. Anyways, again, we have a great uh, great show for you ahead. We're going to kind of recap everything that went down uh, in divisional round weekend. It was a great weekend of football. And we're, let's start off with uh, with the game that played last night. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the New Orleans Saints 30-20. to 20. Um, My takeaway from this game, Eric, was the Buccaneers' defense just kind of smothering the Saints' offense. Yeah, I – I have a hard time saying that the Bucs really even played well. And I think that was kind of a narrative from the whole weekend. I think the four teams that won, I don't think any of the four kind of played their A game. You know agreed, what I mean? Agreed, agreed. It was uh it was kind of sloppy this weekend, I thought yeah. a little bit. But the Buccaneers did what they had to do to win this game, but the story overall is the Saints lost this game. Yeah. Um three, so I'm just gonna pull up Drew Brees' numbers here exactly. I think he had three picks, right? Yeah. Three interceptions. Um, 19 of 34 for 134 yards. 
Uh, that's not good. Yeah, it, um, the Buccaneers, what I realized, what they basically did on defense is they just said, we're playing man-to-man and we're going to blitz you. Like, we're going to get after Drew Brees and we're gonna, our guys are better than your guys. And it worked because the Saints' offensive talent, which is not there in this game, they were without Taysom Hill um, and and Emmanuel Sanders was basically invisible. Michael Thomas was invisible. Um, mm-hmm. like he, he finished the game with zero catches. So basically, like, as much as the blame you can put on Drew Brees, a lot of it had to do with the just Saints guys not getting open. Yeah, and then throw on top of that Jared Cook's fumble. They didn't. They didn't yeah. help him out at all. Uh, exactly. Deontay yeah. Harris getting hurt really didn't help things either. He he had some real energy in that first quarter. That punt return that got overturned for a, from a block in the black really bothered me. It still even when I woke up this morning was bugging me because the ref that f- threw that flag was about 35, 40 yards away from that block in the back. There was three refs closer to him to throw that flag. So one, it wasn't even a penalty. And why that ref tried to be a hero and throw that flag, I don't understand at all. Yeah, it, it was a pretty lame call, and it, it pretty—I think that was a, the difference maker, right? Like they—it was three nothing when he returned when he had that punt. It would have seems would have went up ten nothing, and basically had kind of had a stranglehold on the game, and then they end up kicking a field goal, making it six nothing, and that was the difference. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, they never really recovered after that. But where where do you think the Saints go from here? Because Drew Brees is heading to the hall of fame he's hanging them up so you think he, you think he's done for sure like he has a game exactly like i think jay glazer reported it um and then breeze said after he's gonna take some time but i, I think he's gone right just yeah. watching that game i yeah. i hate it i didn't like the peyton manning um comparisons because manning was far worse than breeze yeah i agree point. Manning, yep. I, Manning was able to win, but that was all because of their defense. Drew Brees, he doesn't, he did not look good. I'm not making any excuses for him, but Peyton Manning might have been the worst quarterback in the NFL that season, and exactly. Drew Brees yep. isn't that yet, but he might be that next year. So I think anybody close to him, they got, they got to tell him, hey, Drew, I think it's time. I, I. Just personally, I don't want to see Drew Brees come back and be even worse than what he was in that game. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think he's he's shot. He's done. It's clear as day. Um, so taking a look at the take a look at the Saints cap situation with Drew Brees on the roster, they are ninety million dollars or about ninety nine million dollars over the cap. Without him, they're still eighty two million dollars over the cap. So you're mm-hmm. like so with without Drew Brees, they need to shed about $88 million on their roster. And if you take a look at kind of how they would do that, it's not easy. You're cutting guys like Quan Alexander is gonna be um he'll be a cap casualty. Like, and that's basically it. Then you're looking at guys like Ryan Ramchek, mm-hmm. um, potential Emmanuel Sanders. Um, like there's not a lot of uh there's not a lot of room here for this for this team to win. Yeah, all the players that they could move off of are studs like yeah exactly Teron, they might be have forced to move on from teron armstead he was just second team all pro cam jordan we know how good he is they might be forced to move on from him they have to shed 80 million dollars <laughs> it's before remarkable. next year and that's that's without them signing jay Jameis winston yeah so, so i yeah so because Taysom hill has like a what 16 17 million dollar cap hit he could be on the roster. I wonder if he's even a cap casualty. 
So they're 80 million over the cap without really a definitive quarterback. Yeah. And they, so basically what this roster did, and um, I think, so I have to, I'm going to pull up the stats um, exactly on the saints, like how good they've been. I don't have it in front of me, but basically what this team has done the past four years, is pretty remarkable. And and they did it with putting in, investing a lot of money and resources into it. So it's not like, so th- this is, it's time to pay up now, basically like they, yeah. they've, they've traded a bunch of draft picks. They've, They've spent a ton of dough. Like they only had three draft picks in last year's draft because they they trade a bunch of them, right? So mm-hmm. like there's not a lot of young talent on this roster. So I think it's gonna be very interesting to see like the next like the next step for the Sean Payton Saints. Like I'm assuming Sean Payton's back. He's not going anywhere. He's just signed a new extension. And I, I think he he definitely knows that Drew Brees era is over. Um so like I'm very curious to see kind of the way this goes. I think Jason, I think Jameis Winston deserves a shot. So do I, and I would love to see what he does after a year of learning from Drew Brees and Sean Payton. They kind of call it quarterback college or whatever this year for yeah. for Jameis Winston. But the Saints, the last few years, they got absolutely ripped off with that call, the non-pass interference call. They should have been going to the Super Bowl. And then the year before that, they, they had the Minneapolis miracle happen to them, so... This team, they pushed everything all into the center, maybe even the last five years, and they just never reached the Super Bowl. It's got to be, for Saints fans, it's got to be quite the gut punch that they never were able to really capitalize on Drew Brees other than that one year back in, like, 09. So in the last four years, the Saints have won 49 regular season games. That's the most wins in a four-year span by a team that failed to reach a Super Bowl. So this is a lot of a lot of untapped potential here in New Orleans. If you're a Saints fan, you kind of it stings. Um, but look, I, I'm confident this this one of the better ownership groups in the NFL. One, uh, Sean Payton's a top five coach, top ten coach at least in the NFL. He um, he'll get this team back on track. And again, they still have talent, but uh, you might be looking at like a nuke job here. Like you might be looking at like a blow this whole thing up here. Like just taking a look yeah. at kind of what they have to do. So this it could be they could be in for a little bit of a rebuild. All right, let's move on to the earlier game on Sunday. The Cleveland Browns um, take on the Kansas City Chiefs. So, wow, this game game finished 22-17. But there was a lot going on in that 22-17 game. Yeah. Uh, What what do you think is the bigger story, the Mahomes injury or the fumble at the end of the end zone? Yeah, so let's start with the fumble at the end of the end zone first, and we'll get into Mahomes' injury. So I was laughing. You you retweeted this something about the Bears. So it's, it's the same thing happened to the Bears, and they end up overturning it. And they lost the game. Yeah, this is a, yeah. <laughs> a John Fox story. This is one of yeah. his most memorable moments as a Bear. Um, I can't remember the running back's name. I'm blanking on him, but he was running towards the end zone, and he reached for the pylon and clearly fumbled it out of the back of the end zone. But the ref ruled that he stepped out of bounds at the one-yard line. So we were getting a break. John Fox thought that he got in the end zone, so he challenged the play that the Bears scored a touchdown. And then on the challenge, the refs overturned the call to a fumble through the the end zone for a touchback. (laughs) Spectacular. Like that, you can't pick that up. <laughs> I was laughing my head off when you retweeted that video the other day. I was I was dying. Um, yeah. but yeah, that was a huge part of the game. It was it ended up being like the like they lost by seven, they lost by five points. This was mm-hmm. basically the game here. So um it was it was Higgins. Higgins reaches for mm-hmm. the um reaches for the end zone. 
Um, and then Sorensen comes in and knocks the ball out through the back of the end zone, and that's considered a touchback. Let's start. Let's just start with the rule. Idiotic rule. Can we both agree on? Like this rule doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I I agree with you that the rule is stupid, and everybody on Twitter was freaking out how much they hate it. I just there's so many rules that cater to the offense now. Like this is the only thing left for the de- defense. Yeah, like, I, on their side. I, but like I I get I, I get where you're coming from when it, when you say that. It just the, the the logic of it when you look at football, it doesn't make any sense. Like why is the defensive team getting the ball back when they haven't recovered the fumble? You know what I mean? Like the whole, the rest mm. of the field is like that, right? So I'm, I get it that there's a lot of rules that are against offense. And, and look, I am all for making it harder on offense, but I just don't think this is a, a rule that should allow that. Like if you get into the end zone, like you shouldn't be rewarding a defense for allowing a team to basically drive on you to the end zone, right? That's what, that's basically what they're doing. Like it, you shouldn't be rewarding a defense that can't stop them. So yeah. I, the, rule, the rule's got to be changed. And, and it's, it's happening. How would you change it? What's your idea to improve it? So I would I would either give them the ball where they fumbled it, which I don't think is the right way because then you're like you're the ball is going at the one yard line. Maybe give them like a 10 yard, you go you start the 10 yard line. Like I or think that makes funny, like a touchback, a reverse yeah, touchback. Exactly. Yeah. Something along those lines, I think, is the best way to go. Like you just said, you don't want to give offense too much, too much power. So if you bring it to the 10 or 20, I think that's a reasonable agreement. No. Like, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'll change it, but it's something to monitor. But I think what they do need to change, and it's something that's been going on in the college game, is allowing referees to review targeting. Because that was clearly an illegal hit by Sorensen that knocked the ball out in the first place. Yeah. You know, so, but that's, this is what, this is another part of this. Like, why... Why are if you're going to review the play, right? If you're going to review it, why can't you review everything? Like, why are you only reviewing this part? Why aren't you able to review the fact that he that it was a clear head to head contact? Yeah, and I I don't I would never want to get into coaches being able to challenge targeting or anything like that. I would never want that. But there's a guy up in the booth who buzzes the ref. He can't give a quick buzz. Say, hey, that was a clear targeting head to head hit. Because the fumble doesn't happen without the head-to-head hit, right? Yeah, exactly. So that was part of it that it was just a double whammy, you know, for the Browns. Like, fumble through the end zone, and it should have been a penalty. Like, it, I, I fell for Browns fans there. Yeah, it was so it was killer. Um, like, if they do it in college, why can't they review it in the NFL, right? Like, if you're supposed to see some big safety league, like we're all for safety, then this should be reviewable. Um, anyways, we just have much to harp. Can't be yelling at the refs and the rules for the for the entire show. But um, I thought that was a killer play in the game. Um, in general, uh, this game, I, I don't think the Browns deserve to win the football game, anyways, to be honest. Well, I you know what's I, actually crazy? I'm looking at the box score now. Like Nick Chubb ran for 5.3 yards a carry. Kareem Hunt ran for 5.3 yards a carry. Meant nothing. I know. Like, if you told me going into the game that they're gonna run for five yards a carry, I'd say, okay, like Browns should be in this game. Like they I, I would be really confident in them, but they just, I guess early they couldn't get the run game going, which really hurt them. Yeah, I think they had 19 combined runs between Chubb and Hunt. Yeah, 19. That's not enough. Like they, yeah. the, the, the game script didn't go the way they planned. Like they got down early so that they had to pass the ball. Um, I thought Kevin Stefanski had a really bad game. And and I hate to say it, I loved Stefanski all, all year. I think he deserves to win NFL Coach of the Year. 
I thought he had a rough game. I thought the with the clock mismanagement at the end of the first half and this and the end of the game was bad. Um, the the I the challenge throwing the challenge flag on the Tyree kill catch. I, I I'm not going to rip on him for it because it was right by their sideline and you're in your head you're kind of thinking like if, if this was a drop then we got them on their toes because Chad Henney's in there so it's worth challenging. But again, I, I think. I think that that's I don't know. Like I feel like head coach should know better that it was a catch. Um, and then punting, I, I don't. I wouldn't have punted the ball on fourth and nine there. I know fourth and nine is hard. I get it. But you were only down five. If your defense holds them, they kick a field goal. You still get the ball back with a chance to win. Um, yeah. I, thought, I thought punting was a really bad decision. I agree because they never got the ball back. That exactly. Was, that was the game. So right when they punted the ball, it was over. Um, credit to Chad Henney though. Got yeah, that yeah. third and yeah. 14 run. He put his body on the line. Gotta yeah. give him credit credit for that. But you brought up the reviewing the targeting thing and player safety, and the NFL is all about player safety. Does Patrick Mahomes clear concussion protocol to play next week? Because on paper, he should not be playing in this game, but it's the AFC championship game. I think if this was week seven, there's a zero percent chance he's playing. I think there's a 100% chance he does play. I don't think there's any chance he doesn't. Um, right. If it was week seven, would he Yeah, play? I don't think so, no. I agree with you there. But I don't, I imagine trying to tell Patrick Mahomes that he can't call it there in the AFC Championship game, no chance. And, and it seems like he's fine. I'm, I'm not saying fine, but it seems like he's okay. Um, It actually almost looked like he kind of just got, like, the wind knocked out of him a little bit. Like, I know there was definitely some head trauma, but I don't know. It was a weird hit. It was almost like uh, like whiplash, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a doctor. I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to speculate on that, but yeah. it is like it's just what's the league's protocol on concussions? Because I know in other sports, like in hockey and in baseball, if you have a concussion, you are out for seven to day, ten days, no matter what. There is no negotiation about that. Like football, what is their protocols? It's kind of it's not black and white, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I. I don't know. I, I I would have a very hard time believing he's not playing, and I'm sure we'll, this is something we'll be talking about down the uh, down the road this week. But um, I want to give some Chad Henney some love here uh, one more time. That like he that that run was awesome, and then that that pass was right on the money to Hill. He had he had that he had another kind of um, he had like a back shoulder throw to Hill on the the one I was talking about with the challenge. Like, that was mm. another great throw. Um, like Chad Henney, like, if you take a look at his story, he's been in the NFL for 13 years. He has never started in a playoff game, never played in a playoff game, and he uh, he was thrown into the fire there, and he and he rocked it. And he look, he was he was not he was the third string quarterback in the Super Bowl. He wasn't active. They didn't dress him in the Super Bowl. It hurt him, and he bounced back. He won the backup job this year, and then being a backup to Mahomes is tough. He hasn't been off the field, right? So just overall, just a great performance. Yeah, lots of credit, lots of credit for him. Uh, yeah. And he bounced back after that terrible interception so yes that was that was a bad throw i must agree he, uh he showed some adversity there where he quarterbacks you have to have a short memory he clearly does have a short memory so props to him so um take a look at the browns future i think they are one of the better teams set up one of the best teams set up for the future in the nfl top five top ten like their offense is probably all coming back um, like Jack Conklin, you just you just signed a contract too, right? You just drafted, um, you just drafted Worfs. So like, you're kind of set there, no? 
Yeah, like Antonio and Teller are coming back too. Yeah, yeah. The offensive line is great. Baker played pretty well in this game. Um, yeah, he was making all the right decisions. Yeah, uh, Chubb and Hunt are coming back. Landry's coming back. They just drafted Donovan People Jones last year. Yeah. He's back. Hooper and Najoku are coming back. So this offense is coming back. It's yeah. young. I like so, it a lot. The here's defense, a question. Yo, here's a question for you before we get to defense on the offensive side of the ball. Do you think this team is better without Odell Beckham Jr.? Oh, yeah. Odell's coming back. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm a numbers guy. If you look at the stats of when he plays and when the team doesn't, the wins and loss stats is pretty alarming. Yeah. But he does he does bring a he does bring a dynamic to this offense. Like you said that they should have gone for that fourth and nine. I feel a lot better about going for fourth and nine when I have Odell Beckham on the outside. So he brings he brings a dynamic that this team a Super Bowl team needs that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I think I like how can you make the argument that they're better without a top 10 receiver in the league, right? Like that's the way I look at it. But like I I think that might be the only big move this off this franchise makes this offseason. Like Jar- I think Jarvis Landry is a number one receiver. I think you can win with him as a number one. I don't think you need anything more. I think you could probably complement the number two receiver a little better because I think Higgins is a free agent this year, so he's gone. Um or maybe he's back, I don't know. But like if you Odell's contract is very tradable. So one thing, like he's not signed to a bunch of dough. So you can you can realistically trade his contract and get assets back for him. So that's the big decision kind of looming them looming over their heads um this offseason. Let's get to the defensive side of the ball. They are need they need some help on defense. Like they have you have Denzel Ward, who I thought Denzel Ward played a terrific game, except trying mm-hmm. to cover Travis Kelsey. That one route that Travis Kelsey ran oh. on that touchdown. Oh my goodness. He put Went Ward literally in a blender. Yeah, he put one of the better coverage cornerbacks in a blender. That was impressive. Yeah. Um, the good news on their defense is they sh- their second round draft pick Grant Delpit. He didn't play at all this year. He's a safety. Yep. He'll be back. Their number two cornerback Greedy Williams. He couldn't play all year. He'll be back. So their secondary should be getting reinforcements. The area of concern is their linebackers. They have they were awful. They were so bad in that game. And I'm, I'm I hate sorry for ripping on them. Like good to teammate the playoffs, but damn man, their linebackers struggled. Like no, the tackling was bad. And like you had guys like Damian Williams just ripping them up and, and ripping them up in uh, open space. Like that yeah. one third and nine. Like I think was it third and nine? I think at the end of the game. And they just ran a quick flat or a, a quick uh, hitch or quick swing route. Sorry to Damian Williams and Taki Taki just missed them. And uh, yeah. it was it was a tough day for the linebackers. Yeah, and on the D line, there's some question marks as well. I believe Sheldon Richardson could be a cap casualty. He t- carries a big ticket, and Olivier Vernon tore his ACL down the stretch this year. So I That's don't true. know if I don't know if he'll be back in time next year for the start of the year. So. They got some question marks on defense, but still the Browns fans should be very optimistic about the future of this team. It's funny, Olivier Vernon. I remember he used to play for the Giants, and for some reason he always killed Jason Peters in the two games he played. <laughs> yeah, he was a Jason Peters beater for some reason. I don't know. But, yeah, um, I think uh, I think the Browns are set up well. Like this year, like you can almost argue like this wasn't their year. Like they were set up maybe for, for next year, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they were good this year, but I, I think – they're actually more built for success next year than they are this year. 
again, the Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham is the one thing to keep an eye on for them this offseason. All right, let's talk about the night game on Saturday. Baltimore Ravens um, lose the Buffalo Bills 17 to 13. I think the story of this game is the Buffalo Bills defense. What a performance they put on. Um, Tyron Johnson's the he's the one that had the pick six. Do you have you ever seen that highlight or that play of um uh, it was the combine? Yeah, and you know they're running that they're running that drill and the guy gets doinked in the head with the ball. Yeah, he yeah. looks the wrong way. Yeah, looks the wrong just, way. Yeah. He so takes that was it in the face. Yeah, yeah so that was Tehran Johnson in the combine. He uh, if you read about his story, he's actually a really good guy. He's kind of he he's never had any offers going to college. Like he had a, a kind of an underdog story, and it was good to see him kind of get that pick six. And I thought Tyron Johnson, Tredavious White, their defensive backs played such a good game. Um, I thought the defense was, was stellar. Yeah, the defense was very stellar. Um, the offense of Buffalo was not. So yeah. I would say this is two games in a row where the Bills have played nowhere near their potential and they've come out victorious. So I think that that's a scary thing going in the forward. But yeah, the Bills defense was, was awesome. I... I hate being this guy. I've always been this guy. I I still have just so many questions about Lamar Jackson in the future. Like he's such a dynamic runner, but I still think there's so many drawbacks to him throwing the ball. I don't I I think we've seen the ceiling of Lamar Jackson. Am I crazy for saying that? I don't I think the Greg Roman run Baltimore's Ravens offense, you might have hit the ceiling. Like I, I feel like they're in the same spot they were last year now. We're losing again in the playoffs because we can't – Lamar can't develop into a passing quarterback. I know he's only 24 years old. I get it. Um, I just – I feel like – I don't – I didn't like the Greg Roman play calling. I, I didn't like his his game plan going into this game. Um, I I don't know if we've hit the ceiling legitimately on Lamar. I think we might have hit the ceiling on this kind of – this this offense that he runs. Um, and I love it. It's my one of my favorite offenses to watch when it works, it's beautiful. Like watching this run, like the uh, the run, um, the run plays they have, all all the motions. Like it, it looks good and it's pretty when it works, but when it doesn't, you're stuck and you need to climb from behind. And it's hard in that offense. So, I, I can Lamar develop as a passer? Do you think? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just look at look. He just has to look across the field and see how Josh Allen progressed as a passer. Yeah. Like I. I don't know if I see that from Lamar. Like Josh Allen just has all the tools to be that passer that he now is. I don't know if I see that in Lamar's game. And my major concern for this team is they need another wide receiver. And I oh, kind of they need receiver help so badly. <laughs> they need like that veteran kind of wide receiver, like Stephon a 37 <laughs> guy to go to. And if you're a free agent wide receiver. Lamar is not that attractive to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so I don't see like Kenny Galladay and Allen Robinson aren't lining up to go catch passes from Lamar. So I don't I don't know how they get better at the position unless it's through the draft. And this team's in win now mode to expect a rookie wide receiver to have a big impact. I I just don't I don't know where this team goes. I'm I'm worried that this is their ceiling. Uh, again, I, I think I think like they're going to be competitive again next year. Like if you take a look at their, uh, if you just take a look at their cap space. They're pretty. They're in pretty good shape. Um, they're they're not under the cap or anything like that. They have I think like twenty five million dollars left over. And you have to remember, Ronnie Stanley was hurt last was hurt mm-hmm. this year. He'll be coming back. Um, and like this team has a lot of talent. 
I, they need just they need offensive playmakers. Like it's it's clear as day. Like you cannot rely on Lamar Jackson scrambling for forty eight yard touchdown runs all the time, right? Like this, they've oh, got exactly. to they've got to figure out ways to kind of get the. They need like a San Francisco 49ers run. Like need, I would love to see him in like a Kyle Shanahan run offense, right? Like the ball low quickly, and then we can use Lamar's legs on top of that, right? Like. You don't see like I felt. I felt like Marquise Brown was completely underused in this game. He was your best weapon going in. You didn't get any quick passes to him, like get the ball in space kind of things. I feel like they need to add more of that into their offense. Um, so I, yeah, they need to go and get some wide receiver help desperately. Like they're, I would, I would be low. I'd be unloading the money to an Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay. But um, you bring up a yeah. great point. You bring up and a great point. Like who wants to go? Cat Lamar Jackson's not going to pad your stat sheet, right? Exactly. Like what wide receiver wants to go to a team that runs the ball 40 to 50 times a game? Yeah. Um, and Mark Andrews, like what, what do you think of him? Like his whole year was very disappointing and he had his best matchup of the year potentially in this game. And he's still on a milk cart and no, nowhere to be seen. Yeah. He had some, he had some huge drops here in the red zone. Like fantasy owners were not happy with him. He, yeah, he declined, and I don't think he's a top tight end talent. Like, I think you can clearly see Travis Kelsey, um, George Kittle, like Darren Waller. Like, those guys are elite. I don't see, I can't put Mark Andrews in that in that company, and he's making eleven million dollars next year. So, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know where you kind of what you kind of go from there, but um, it's gonna be they're an interesting team to watch. I I don't think you're gonna see a lot of change. I think they're gonna kind of try to run it back and just fix the offense. I think it's the right thing to do. Try to because they're they're they'll probably add some talent. They're probably looking at a big free agent wide receiver signing and go from there. But like let's go back to the Bills quickly before we get off this game. Um are are you feeling like I'm feeling I'm I'm kind of not that confident in them heading into the championship weekend. Really, I yeah. I kind of am because they haven't played their best yet. Like, that, that's my point. Like I just feel like they're not playing their best football. Yeah, but they're still winning. Like that is so scary. Like they're gonna have to play better next week, and I think they will. If you look at their previous ten games before the playoffs, if they play like that, if those Buffalo Bills show up next week, they absolutely have a chance. And the the Allen to Diggs connection is it's special. It's Another. Eight catches, 106 yards, and a touchdown for Diggs. Those guys, like the instant chemistry, it's quite incredible. And you see them in their post-game press conferences and stuff. Like they, they genuinely are good buddies, and it's it's really good to see. Um, yeah. And something else I actually wanted to bring up uh, about Lamar Jackson. I was so impressed with him. Um, the video that surfaced of him walking to the airplane and there were a bunch of Bills fans calling his name and stuff. And that guy just got eliminated from the playoffs. He left the game with an injury and he had he took his time to go sign autographs for yeah. the opposing team's fans. That's a true pro move. And uh, hats off to him for that. I really, really respect that. I love that you said that. Like he, he gets so much hate in the media right now about not winning playoff games. Like the dude's twenty four years old. Like give the kid some break here, and he's like such a nice guy, such a good dude. Um, and uh, like, did you see all the Bills Mafia like donating to his charity? Right. Like, so there, there was a trend about they're all donating to his favorite charity. Like just overall Bills Mafia, best fans in the league. I think we can we can't argue that. Just overall great fans, and um, just I, I I was hoping for a little better game. Um, but uh, it's it's cool to see the Bills in the in the title game. We'll definitely be talking about that later. All right, let's finish it off. Green Bay Packers against the Rams. Um, probably the the, mo- the least interesting game out of them all. The game kind of went exactly how I predicted, though. 
I didn't think they would win by two touchdowns. I thought they would only win by one. But it kind of went exactly how I thought. The Rams would be able to hold the Packers to about 20 points through three quarters, keep keep the minute, and then Goff just wouldn't be able to bring them home. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, it was a two two possession game, I guess, final, but it never felt like the Packers were in any trouble. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty dominant from them. Um, I thought my guy Corey Lindsley was the best player on the field. Yeah, you didn't hear Aaron Donald's name very often. He did a good job of um, keeping him out of the backfield. M- big part of that might have been Donald was clearly not a hundred percent. So I I don't want to I don't want to say Donald played bad if he wasn't even he was clearly playing hurt. But this Packers offense it is special. It is absolutely clicking right now. I I I have no idea how you stop it because this yeah. Rams defense that was supposed to be the one team that could their defense could put up a fight. It, it wasn't a fight. Yeah, and like you got um this, this like. That one, that one, like kind of uh, th- that speed route in the end zone to Devontae Adams, like when he kind of ran across the formation and they hit him in the one yard line, like that just felt illegal. Like, they, like, yeah. I, like that it play just, actually it, was illegal, though. The refs never will call this, but when you're in motion, you cannot be moving north when the ball is snapped. And okay. Adams was heading towards the end zone when that ball was snapped. So it should have been a penalty, but refs will never call that. Yeah, it just. It's a good point. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like watch it like in depth, but I feel, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like this offense is almost unstoppable. Like they're going to put up twenty eight points every single football game, and they're going to put up twenty eight points next week. They're going to put up twenty eight points if they make the Super Bowl. Like that's that's like the floor of this offense. Oh yeah, like <laughs> they could have scored more in this game if they wanted to, probably, but. Yeah. They they ended up killing some clock. Aaron Jones had a good game. Like that's the scary thing about this team is we know that Rodgers is so electric through the air, but they got a decent ground game too when they want it to be good. And in this game, I I think really especially in the second half, they were like, hey, let's take let's start running the ball. And the offensive line, which is known for their pass protection, they did an unreal job on the ground. So I'm taking a look at the LA Rams going forward. And I was not a huge fan of this team last year. Like when we did our previews, I, I thought the ceiling, I thought the I thought the floor was like five wins. I thought their ceiling was like eight. They proved me wrong this year. So like I, I'm not gonna rip on them. And I just I, I don't know what the ceiling is for this team going forward. Like you just lost Brandon Staley, one of the smartest young minds in football. He's going to coach the Chargers. I think that's a huge loss on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if they have like a guy ready to go to kind of take take over but when you're losing the, the the coordinator of the number one defense in the nfl you're gonna you're gonna have some hit there and like jared goff like is he the future like is is he going to be a top 10 quarterback ever i don't think so and there's a report came out today from around the nfl i'm gonna pull up the exact tweet um ex- around the nfl tweeted earlier today about jared goff and how sean mcveigh and, and jared goff are not seeing eye to eye right now so the exact tweet was jared goff and sean McVay relationship needs marriage counseling Heading into the offseason. That was uh, Stephen Weich of NFL Network. So, like, uh, am I crazy for thinking that maybe Jared Goff isn't the starting quarterback of this team going forward? Um, that, That's kind of – that's tough for me to answer because I believe Jared Goff is the only quarterback in the NFL that has a worse contract than Carson Wentz. It is – big money it's and i'm awful, sure. it's such an awful contract they cannot yeah. they're not gonna be able to get out of it this year 
So twenty-one. Yeah. It's a, if they try to if they try to cut him, it's sixty-five million dollar dead cap it. So it's not going to cut. If they trade him, it's similar to the Wednesday thing where you bite the bullet one year and you can get off of him. I have a hard time believing yeah. it's going to be anyone out there that's going to look at your golf and want that contract though. So. Yeah, but you also think Carson Wentz is gonna get yeah, but I, Apple, I, I, so. I think no, so I think Wentz has a higher, a way higher ceiling than Goff. Wentz can move, he's got a better arm, like he's got more just raw talent, in my opinion, than than Goff. He was definitely worse than Goff this year. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the few like you could predict that Wentz has the potential to be a top seven quarterback with his natural talent. Goff doesn't bring any of that talent with him, like he doesn't have he's not mobile. And he, he and his decision making is clearly poor, and his arm is like I guess above uh, average to above average. Like he he's not a he's not a quarterback in my opinion that Sean McVay would want going forward. Like I don't get what happened with this contract. Like why did they sign up for this big deal? I don't get it. Yeah, the contract. He's definitely not worth his contract. I still think he's he's he listen. He's in that ten to twenty range, maybe maybe ten to twenty five uh, quarterback range. So. He's not worth his contract, but again, just assuming the grass is greener on the other side, it's it doesn't work that way with quarterbacks always. And this team, I, they traded up to draft him number one overall, so they've invested a lot in him. They've given him this contract. I, I, even if they want to pull the plug, I don't think they can. I think they're they're locked into him. Yeah, no, they are for this year. I think is maybe going forward. Maybe they draft one potentially. Maybe, maybe, maybe they trade for one. Like I just, I have a hard time saying they McVay. don't have. They don't have picks because they <laughs> traded them true. for Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, that's true. I just, I don't feel like McVeigh is going to be satisfied. I feel like he's. If you're an offensive mind, you're. And I th- also thought McVeigh called a brilliant game. I thought he had a very good game um, play calling in, in against the Packers. I, th- I, it wasn't the offense's fault. Like they just, the defense couldn't hold the, uh, couldn't um, hold up their end of the bargain. But um. I, I just have a hard time seeing McVeigh satisfied. Like I, I feel like yeah, he's he might not, better. That's what I, I can yeah. definitely agree with that. He might not be satisfied, but yeah. what is he bringing Jimmy Garoppolo? He's not going to be satisfied Maybe. with that either. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're in a tough spot. I was with you early in the year. We were both so low on this team. So they yeah. proved us wrong completely. And I mean, hey, they're running back their defense with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on it. I don't care who your defensive coordinator is. It's going to be a good defense. Yeah, Might true. not be the best in the league again. It's going to be a good defense. So if Goff can somehow take a step forward, raise his game, I still think that this is a playoff team next year. But you're right. It's it's really hard to envision their ceiling being higher than it was this year. They are such an interesting team to watch go forward um, because like that division, you got Russell Wilson, you got Kyler Murray, and you got the 49ers. Like you got some up and coming teams there, so the Rams are kind of, and they're a little stuck in mud a little bit, in my opinion, with when it comes to the ceiling. So they're going to be an interesting team to watch. Definitely this offseason. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We got two more episodes coming your way this week. We're going to be kind of breaking down around the NFL news, Nuggets, um, a bunch of coaching hires going around. Josh McDaniels looked like he might be the head coach of Philadelphia Eagles, and we'll be we'll be talking about that later this week. But again, we'll talk to you then. This episode is sponsored by 22Bet. 22Bet is your one-stop shop for all your sports betting. Download the 22Bet app today and enjoy its easy-to-use interface. The app is fast and reliable and completely intuitive. The sign-up process is short and the sign-up process is remarkably quick. There are lots of products including slots and live casino betting. Mark your favorites for quicker access to your preferred sports leagues and teams. 
22Bet is a huge selection of payment methods as well as options for cryptocurrencies and transactions are fast and no additional fees apply. Take advantage of your 100% welcome bonus for your first time deposit. 22Bet has some of the highest odds on all the sports you're interested in along with excellent coverage of sporting events including local leagues. Terms and conditions apply. Please click the link in our podcast description to get started. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.